As many of you know, this is uh, your transition team is meeting today, and it's the last time they're going to meet. And that's why some of them have such big smiles on their faces this morning. It's the last time they're going to meet. And at the end of the service, your elders are going to share with you your new senior pastor search team. Isn't that exciting? And so today, I want to talk to you about the kind of guy that you guys need to look for. The kind of person that you need to look for in the way of a new pastor. Being God's man. I want to do something a little different this morning. Um, I want us to look at the lives of two different men. One was considered by many the greatest apostle in all the scriptures. The other was considered by many the greatest Baptist minister to ever live. The first was the Apostle Paul, and the second was a guy by the name of George W. Truett. Now, some of you may go, well, you know, I've heard that name. Where, where have I heard that name? Well, let me tell you just a couple of things about Truett. I, I know a lot about Truett because I wrote a 227-page dissertation on him, okay? And so, so I know a little bit about him. You're probably saying, well, golly, you didn't have to work very hard today. You already knew the sermon today, but no, that's not true. But anyway, uh, George Truett, uh, basically back many, many years ago, Baylor University was in terrible debt. The, uh, you know, the economy of the United States was in a shambles, and they were about ready to close their doors. And over the course of uh, five years, uh, Truett pretty much single-handedly went out and, uh, and, and gathered money so that Baylor could keep its doors open and go. Stories are that he would preach and people would come down and they would lay their, wedding, their golden wedding bands on the altar to give so that Baylor could stay open. I mean, pretty, pretty amazing stories like that. Uh, he was also, he created Baylor Medical Center. You know, you guys, you have one in Plano now. You have them all over the place. But the main one down in downtown Dallas started as Florence Nightingale Hospital. That's what it was called. And that has evolved into Baylor University Medical Center. And, and Truett was the driving force behind that. Uh, he also helped start Buckner's Benevolences, worldwide Buckner's Benevolences. Many of you know that used to be called Buckner's Orphan's Home, but now we live in a more uh, politically correct society, and so it's Buckner's Benevolences, and that's all over the world. He was also the first president of the Baptist World Alliance. The Baptist World Alliance, he helped create it, and he was the first president of the Baptist World Alliance. He also helped create Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, where I went, where I have two degrees from, and at one time was the largest theological seminary in the world. And in his spare time, he was the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas, for 47 years. So anyway, um, that's George Truett. Paul says in Acts 20, 18 through 21, in Acts 20, 18 through 21, the Apostle Paul says... When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. 
You know. You've seen me. You know how I've acted. You know what I've done. You know how I have not, you know, hesitated to preach anything that would be good for you. You know that I, to everybody, to Jew and to Greek, to every person, I have told them they need to repent and have faith in Jesus Christ. And so, what kind of man do you guys need to look for as your next pastor? Number one, you need to look for a man who is a good example. You need to look for a man who is a good example. Not, you know, hey, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I like Charles Barkley. But Charles Barkley said, don't look at me, I'm no role model. Let me tell you, you need to find a guy that is a good example. Now, now it's a little scary. You know, in the Apostle Paul, uh, during his time in the Scriptures, he, he writes, if you don't know how to act, just look at me. Follow my example. Friends, I have never, ever in my life felt comfortable to say that to anybody, okay? We all know we're sinners. We all know we've saved, we're saved by grace. It is a very, very big thing to say, if you don't know how to act, just look at me. And I'm not saying that your next pastor needs to be the kind of guy that says, hey, if you don't know how to act, follow me, look at me. But I am saying that he needs to understand that in his position as pastor, that he is a role model, that he is a leader, that he needs to be a good example. What did Truett say about influence and example? Truett said, A man who does not care about his influence over somebody else surely must be a fool or a monster or both. We must be forever careful. We must be forever careful about our influence over others. For our silent influence day in and out, we are taking people with us or we are taking them down. We are making it easier or making it harder every day we live for other people to live as is our influence over them. Truett understood that he, whether he liked it or not, was a role model. He understood that he was an example. And we need to understand that we as Christian people are examples. And not, uh, we, we, can't, we can't shy away from that. You know, the whole idea of, of drinking alcohol and, and things like that, that's, that's a big thing in the church. You know, used to, Baptists didn't drink. You know, we just didn't drink, didn't, didn't, didn't smoke, drink, or chew, or go with the girls that do. You know, that, that was the thing, you know. You don't do that. But, but, but nowadays, you know, that, that there's a different thing. And, 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 you know, I would say that in my former church, probably 50, 60, 70% of the adults, you know, drank, and they didn't think anything of it. It was, it was part of their daily lives uh, or weekly lives or what, you know. But people would ask why I didn't drink, and I would say, well, because I'm an influence, because I'm an example. And they would say, well, yeah, but, but what, you know, you've, you've preached, we've heard you preach, Pastor, that the Scripture does not say you shouldn't drink alcohol. There's no prohibition in there about drinking alcohol. And you've preached that. I said, yes, but the Scripture also talks about being a good influence. And, And remember where Paul talks about eating meat that's sacrificed to idols? He says, hey, nothing wrong with that. But if it causes your brother to stumble, just don't do it. Just don't do it. And so, you know... You need to call a guy that understands, and, and here again, you're going to come back and say, well, you're saying that our pastor shouldn't drink alcohol. That's up to you. That, that's, that's up to you and your, your, your congregation, and that's up to you know, what kind of questions you want to ask him. 
And uh, quite honestly, I've got a, a, about, a, about a thousand questions that I wanted you to ask him. But anyway, that's another thing. But, but, the, but the bottom line is he needs to know that he's an example. It's amazing to me in my job that I run across guys that say, you know what, I'm, I preach and I teach and I know the scriptures, and, but I'm no model, I'm no role, I'm no example. Friend, <laughs> there's no way. There is no way you can be a pastor and not be a role model. So, first of all, the kind of man you need to call needs to understand. He needs to set a good example. He needs to know that. And he doesn't need to shy away from that. Number two, God's man is a servant. He's a servant. Look at, look at what Paul says. He says, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. God's man is a servant. He's a servant. Now, that doesn't mean that he's supposed to do everything at your church. doesn't mean you expect him to do everything. Because if he does everything, he can't do the things he's supposed to do. Okay? I remember a story many years ago about this little bitty country church out in the middle, you know, of nowhere. And, and they called a new pastor. And the, uh, the, the, the yard started looking really ugly. I mean, really bad. The, the, you know, nobody had mowed it. Nobody had edged it. I mean, the, the, the church grounds were looking horrible. And, and an old deacon came to the preacher one day and he said, You know, you know, preacher, uh, our former pastor used to mow the yard. And that, that new pastor said, Well, I suggest you call him. <laughs> you know, there are certain things that your pastor doesn't need to do. You know, you need to set him free to do the things he does need to do. But at the same time, he needs to be a servant and have a servant's heart. Uh, look, when I was pastoring, I never, there were certain things I never did. I never, ever, ever did. You know, I never, ever worked in the nursery on a Sunday morning. Did you know that? 23 years and I never, ever worked in the nursery on a Sunday morning. They kind of wanted me in church, in, in the worship service, instead of in, in the nursery, you know. Uh, there were, there were, I never did. But let me tell you something. If your next pastor is not willing to lead you in servanthood, you don't want him. You don't want him. And what I mean by that is he shouldn't ask you to go out and talk and witness to the lost if he's not willing to go out and do it himself. To lead the way, you know. He shouldn't be, I've already, you know, I've talked to, to the elders about this the other day, but, you know, he shouldn't, he shouldn't stand up and ask you to tithe if he's not willing to tithe. I mean, there, there are certain things. He just needs to lead by example. If it's the right thing to do, it's the right thing to do. Amen? Amen. And so, you know, he needs to be a servant. What did Truett say about a servant? Well, he said this, and I quote, What the world needs is service. Its wounds cannot be staunched except by service. Its wrongs cannot be righted. Its grievances cannot be redressed. Its injustices cannot be corrected. Its ignorance cannot be dissipated except by service. It is by service that we vindicate our faith in any and every realm of life, in business, in literature, in statecraft, in religion, ever recurring comes the pungent question from Jesus. Why call ye me Lord, 
And do not do the things that I tell you to do. You hear what he's saying? Faith is more than a dogmatic set of rules. It is more than a passion. It lifts, it achieves, it arrives in service. Great believers are always great doers. Great believers are great doers. And so, you want a man that knows he needs to set a good example. And you also need a man that knows that he leads through service. Through service. Number three, you need a man who's humble. You need a man who is humble. I I don't know what the deal is today, but it seems like a lot of people are are drawn to, to guys that are just arrogant, you know? I mean, just arrogant and all that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that this person doesn't need to have self-confidence. I'm not saying this person needs to not, you know, you know, be careful of a guy that won't look you in the eye, you know. You need a guy that look you in the eye, shake your hand, talk to you. But not a guy that's arrogant. A guy that's, that has a, a, a great sense of humility. Uh, there, there's a, back in the day... You know, when, when Truett was pastor of First Baptist uh, Dallas, there were no air conditioners, guys. Can, can you imagine going to church in a big place with a whole bunch of people, no air conditioners, you know? But, but what people did have were these big fans, and, and, and I have a couple of them in my garage. I don't know what I'm going to do with them uh, but, but, uh, because the electricity doesn't work in them anymore. But they're big, there's these fans, these oscillating fans, and they're old, and they're all made, every bit of it's made out of steel, you know? You stick your finger in there, man, you're in trouble. You know, it's going to cut it. And, 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 and the story goes that, that right before church one day at First Baptist Church Dallas, uh, Truett was messing with the fan in his office and his hand slipped and his hand got in, the, and, in it and got cut really, really badly. And he was bleeding very badly. And, and so he wrapped it up, he put it in his pocket of course, everybody back then wore suits and ties, you know. Put it in his pocket and preached. And no one ever knew that his hand was cut. Why? Because, you see, he didn't want to take the, the, the focus away from the message onto his hand. He didn't want people to be worried about that. He didn't want people to be thinking about that. He, he, he wanted people to be focused on the message on what they should have been focused on. Uh, you know, there, there was a real sense of humility in him. He was always being honored. Oh, my goodness. He was always being honored. And, and, and if you read the transcripts of the, 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 you know, all the awards he got and all the different things, he was always deflecting, always deflecting the praise onto the people around him, always giving somebody else credit. Never saying, yeah, yeah, look at me, look, yeah. You know? He was deflecting that praise onto other people. You need to call a man, yes, that is confident, but a humble. Has a humility about him that's not always saying, hey, look at me, look at what I've done, look at, you know. Because guys, I want to tell you something. In our world today, we do things, it's always been this way, but especially today, we do things together or we don't do them at all. You know, we have to work together. People in our society today, they don't want to, to, you know, they want to feel like 
that they're part of something bigger than themselves. And so you need to call a man of humility. A man that knows he needs to be a good example. A man that has a servant's heart. A man that has a sense of humility about him. A man that loves people. A man that loves people. Uh, Verse 19. I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears. So he, he loved people. He loved people. Uh, we, need to, we, we need to have people, somebody that loves people. And, and you know what, guys? I know guys. I know a lot of ministers. I know a lot of ministers that love the Scripture, but they don't love people. You know, they, they love being pastor, but they don't love people. I have a friend, and, and don't get me wrong, he, you know, he's a great guy, and, and he's mellowed out. But, but there for a while, he went through a very tough stretch in his ministry. And, and, and he told me one day, and, and he was dead serious. He said, you know what? The church would be okay if it wasn't for all those sorry people. <laughs> he had been wounded. And yes, had he been treated unfairly? You bet. Absolutely. No doubt. But he had a real cynicism about him. And, and, and one of the things I'm going to tell your committee is, you know, don't look for a guy. You know, look for a guy that maybe has a certain amount of years experience. Don't look for a guy that has one year of experience eight times. You know, that can't stay someplace. Because usually when a guy jumps around a lot, there's a reason he's jumped around a lot. He wore out his welcome pretty quickly. People didn't like him. And so he moved on to another place, you know. But 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 somebody that loves people. Um, anyway, the next thing is uh, you need to have a man that's courageous enough to, to, to say what he feels like God wants him to say. A man that's courageous enough to say what he feels like God wants him to say. One of the reasons why I think people like me and my, and, and understand, I fit. That's another thing I'm going to tell your committee. There may be a great guy out there. He just may not fit Willow Bend. The reason I had good, good pastorates is because I, I fit with the churches I went to. They, you know what? There are wonderful, wonderful churches that would, have, that, would have, that would have not liked me at all. Not liked me at all. But I fit with the congregations I went to. You need to find a guy that fits. But one of the reasons why I feel like that my congregations... Uh, responded to me was that I told them what I thought. They, they, didn't, they didn't say about me like they had said about some previous pastors, well, you know, I know what he preached, but I really thinks he think. I know what he said, but I think he thinks this. No. <laughs> no. You need to find a guy that's courageous enough to tell you what he thinks. You know? Uh, you need to have a guy that's courageous enough to stand up here and say, if he feels like uh, y'all are, uh, you know, dropping the ball in a certain area, tell you you're dropping the ball in a certain area. You know? You need to have a guy that's courageous enough to, 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 to look the elders in the eye and say, guys, I, I think we need to do this or change this or whatever. That's willing to do that. Not in an ugly way, not in an arrogant way, in a very humble way, but somebody that's courageous enough to do what God wants them to do. What did Truett say about courage? Whether a man shall do right, whatever the cost, is not even a debatable question. 
At this point, many utterly break down and fall. They have recourse to evasion and subterfuge. They parlay, trim, and modify. Many are shrewd and clever and brilliant, but oh, how they lack reliability. They will never permanently win the battle of life. They take shortcuts. They shrewdly chuckle over clever politics. They see no good sense for a man doing what is right. And this by evasion, by a word, by a look, in different ways, men depart from the only distinct policy and purpose of principle and truth and duty. A man that's courageous enough to do the right thing, even when it's not the expedient thing to do. I'll give you one example very quickly. Your constitution and bylaws says to be a member of Willow Bend Church a person should be baptized, biblically baptized by immersion. Now, what, what, what's going to happen when some people start coming into your fellowship and they're wonderful people and, man, they're great Bible teachers and maybe they, they, they help in the nursery and their vacation Bible school or whatever, man. They're just wonderful. Oh, they tithe. They give money. All of this other stuff. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. But they say, you know what? I was baptized baby. I won't be baptized again. Now, you either need to change the Constitution or you need to say, you know what? You need to be baptized or you can't be a member here. You can still tithe, amen? (laughs) 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 No. But, 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 you know, that's the kind of thing that's hard, okay? That's where the rubber hits the road. And, and and you need a guy, you need to decide what your principles are, and you need a guy that's courageous enough to stand up for those principles. Say, so this, is, this is what we believe. Anyway, a man that's a good example, a man that has a servant's heart, a man that is humble, a man that loves people, a man that is courageous, a man that is dedicated. Look at what Paul says in verse 20. He says, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly from house to house. A man that is dedicated. Listen to what Truett said about dedication. Preceding every triumph of significance in church or in state, there has always been a high and holy dedication to life, to the cause that triumphed. The great things... Do not come out of dainty little picnics. Men must bring their manhood and their robustness and their brains and their blood and not count their lives dear unto themselves if they wish to enthrone the majestic things in the social order which will take care of humanity. Wow, did he have a way to say things, huh? Changes don't come from dainty little picnics. They come when a man brings everything he's got. Dedication. A man that is dedicated to the cause. Whatever you call, you need to call a guy that, you know what, you may think he's crazy, you may think he has blinders on, you may think whatever you want, but he needs to think that being pastor at Willow Bend Baptist Church is the greatest thing in the world. He needs to think it's the greatest thing in the world. And he dedicating all that he has to being all that you need 
to being God's man in this place. You know, this is a little easier now. What I'm about to talk about next is a little easier now than it was back when Truett talked about it. Understand, uh, Truett's last um, Sunday uh, at, uh, well, his last, he, he died in 1947. Now, understand, that was a long time before the Civil Rights Movement. That was a long time before equal rights and different things like that. But, but your next pastor needs to be a man that is inclusive of all people, loves all people. He loves all people. Now, now I, I need to say something here. I believe that we love all people. I believe we care about all people. But I don't believe that we have to bless sin when we love other people. Jesus found people in sin. And what did he say to them? When he left, he said, don't do this anymore. Go and sin no more. So he, he didn't say, you know, come on in and just uh, keep on us in it. He didn't say that. He said, I love you, care about you, but I, I want you to change it. I love, <laughs> you know, we preachers, we have all these little ditty sayings, you know. But one that I really like, one that I really like is that God loves you enough to meet you where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. He loves you too much to leave you there. And I want to tell you something. There's a lot of churches in this day and age. In the, in the name of inclusion, they take people where they are and they just leave them there. Just leave them there. And, uh, you know, here again. <clears throat> but he needs to be a man of inclusion. Uh, back during uh, Truett's day, there was no civil rights. There was no, there was no equal rights. Um, an African-American porter. See, he, they, they, he rode the train a lot. And there was an African-American porter that said of Truett, he has the love of God in his heart for all men. And another, um, another African-American porter said this, he's my pastor. He's been to my house. He's prayed for my little girl. Now, guys, the white pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas, would make noise going to an African-American home to pray for a little girl back in 1940s and the 30s and the 20s when he was pastor at First Baptist Church. You know, let's go, let's go across uh, religious lines, you know. How, how many of you guys are old enough to remember the old Taiches uh, department store in downtown Dallas? Yeah, me too. <laughs> Matter of fact, my mom wanted to kill me one time because, that you know, Taiches used to take this whole floor in their downtown location and they would make it into Christmas Wonderland. And, and, and there would be a train to ride for kids. And, and, and we stood in line for like two hours one day so that we could do that. And when it came time for me to sit on Santa's lap and ride the train, I don't know, maybe he would just look like a scary dude to me and I just ran the other direction, you know. Mom said she'd never been so mad at me in her life. You know, two hours for nothing. You know. Okay, Neiman Marcus. Mr. Neiman and Mr. Marcus were alive when Truett was pastor of First Baptist Church Dallas. Mr. Titches was alive when you know, he was a member of the, when he was pastor of First Baptist Dallas. All three of these men, Jewish businessmen. All three of these men, not a thing to do with the First Baptist Church or Jesus Christ in any way. But he used to go eat 
at Neiman Marcus's uh, luncheon counter there in downtown because the church was in downtown. He used to go to Tatches and eat at their place, and, and, and he got to know the people, and he got to know them. And, and one day, uh, the story goes that, that Mr. Tatches' wife was very, very ill, very ill. And Truett found out about it, and he, he called and he asked, May I come to your home? May I pray for your wife? Yeah, sure. He came. He prayed. And we, you know, who knows? Was it a miracle? Was it just that, you know, she got better on her own? Who knows? But guess what? She got better. And the story goes that Mr. Tatches said, I'm still a Jew, but I believe Dr. Truitt's God has power. My wife is better. Now, guys... He didn't look at labels. He didn't look at skin color. He didn't look at, you know, he just said, hey, neither Jew nor Greek, I don't care. I, I love. I, I want to minister. I want to be a part. Uh, Baptist World Alliance was, very, you, you're not going to believe this. You know, things have changed so much. Baptist World Alliance was very, very controversial back in the day. Because guess what? You're going all over the world to to. To, to say, I want to have fellowship with you. People that had that spoke different languages and, and had different ideas about things. And, and uh, you know, a few years ago, you talk about drinking alcohol. A few years ago, I was, at, I was at the Baptist Royal Alliance in Birmingham, England. And me and a guy got out of a, we got out of our, our session. And we, oh, it had been the most beautiful thing, guys. There was a choir there that had somebody there from every continent in the world, except Antarctica, okay, the other continents. And they sang the Hallelujah Chorus. The guy that was with me, tears were just streaming down his face. Crying like a baby. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. When we got out of the service, we went to a pizza place. And everybody had on their badges, you know. You know. I'm Dal Loftus from the United States of America. This guy was, you know, Gunter from from Germany, and this guy was, the girl was Ingrid from Sweden, and all these different Baptists, you know. And, and I realized all of these guys were having beer with their pizzas, and I said, man, we're not in Kansas anymore. You know. We're not in Kansas anymore. And, and for Truett to, to, to reach out to those the folks with different kind of ideas was very controversial back in the day. He didn't care. My point is, you need to find a guy that's inclusive. That, that doesn't that, that that doesn't look at labels. It doesn't look at skin colors. It doesn't look at it. Just loves people. Just loves people. You know. Just cares about people. Inclusive. God's man needs to be a good example. God's man needs to be have a servant heart. God's man needs to be humble. He needs to love people. He needs to be courageous. He needs to be dedicated. He needs to be inclusive, and he needs to preach Jesus Christ. He needs to preach Jesus Christ as the only answer for man's sin, the only answer for our world today, the only way into salvation. Anything else, I'm telling you, you need to stay away from anybody that's going to preach anything else. Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. And your new pastor needs to believe that with all of his heart, and he needs to preach it. Oh, I forgot to read what Truett said about inclusiveness. Let me read it. It's too good to pass up. We are bound together in the bundle of life. 
No member of human society can dare say to another member of human society, nor can one race say to another race, nor one country dare say to another country, I have no relation to you, and I go on my way ignoring you. The Bible everywhere assumes the inescapable fact of human responsibility to one another. As for faith, he said, as for myself, I can truthfully say that long ago I settled it, that Jesus Christ could have his way with me. I am willing for God to use me in any way he sees fit. I would not withhold any service which he requires of me. For many years, my chiefest joy and my deepest satisfaction has been to find out God's will for me and then do my best to carry out his will. If I know anything, I know that I want Christ to have his way with me in this world and in the world to come. You hear that? If I know anything, I know that I want Christ to have his way with me in this world and in the world to come. And what did people say about Dr. Truett? Well, they said, uh, he's a friend to mankind. He loves people, all kinds of people. A congregation never raises a question about this. It is an inevitable conviction and conclusion. He is in desperate love with God and his people. So, what kind of man do you guys need to look for? You need to look for a man that that knows he needs to set a good example. You need to look for a man that has a servant's heart. You need to look for a man who, who is humble. You need to look for a man who is courageous. You need to look for a man who is dedicated, a man who is inclusive of all people, and a man who preaches Jesus Christ is the only way unto salvation and the only way for us to be right with God. Pretty simple stuff, huh? You know, the, the, the hard stuff is not complicated. It's just hard. <laughs> and, 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 and you're never going to find somebody that's perfect. And, and you know, true, it wasn't perfect. But, um, but if you can find a man that has those qualities, then, um, wow, uh, I think you'll be happy with the man that God leads you to at Willow Bend.